a Pantry Studio production. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Out of all the fears that human beings face, maybe, just maybe, this is one that gets us every time because it's almost always unexpected. A car wreck. I mean, thinking about it, you're driving down the road, you're minding your own business, and all of a sudden, the unexpected happens. It's enough to send anybody into fright or a frightful shock for days, maybe weeks and even years later. But what's going to happen in this episode is going to leave you just as shocked, dazed, and maybe as frightened. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and this is episode number 44. In the name of all that's holy, the disappearance of Patricia Meehan. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd but they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and now your host, Chris Sloan. As we always do and say, it's probably best with this one to start where it all began. The beginning. It was November 1st, 1951, when Patricia Bernadette Meehan was born. She was born to Dolly and Thomas Meehan in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where she grew up. She attended college in Oklahoma City, where she studied uh, early childhood development in uh, preparation for a career in daycare, but that just didn't seem to fit. 
It was in 1985 that she abandoned that pursuit, and uh, she found herself in Bozeman, Montana. She worked there as a ranch hand for quite a while because of what she called her love of animals and stated that was the reason for the career shift. She had been working odd jobs off and on, you know how it goes, just trying to make ends meet and uh, supporting herself. Now, the last person to see Patricia Meehan alive was her landlord, and he said that something wasn't right. He said, and I quote, her demeanor was out of the ordinary. She seemed hyper. On April 19th, 1989, the day before she disappeared, Meehan spoke with her father in Pittsburgh over the phone, telling him that she was under a lot of stress and she just wanted to come home. Well, that's not necessarily uncharacteristic, especially given today's times, let alone in 1989. Stress did exist then. It has, well, since I've been around, and I'm sure quite longer. But what was to happen next has left people scratching their heads. It's it's one of those things that's not only a mystery, but it's haunting. It was 15 minutes after 8 o'clock on April 20th, 1989. Peggy Bueller and her dad were coming home. They were traveling west on Montana Highway 200. It's, it's close to Circle, Montana. You've heard of it. Well, anyway, they witnessed a vehicle on the wrong side of the road coming right at them. Well, Peggy managed to get that thing up onto the shoulder and avoided a head-on collision. No, oh, but the person behind her? Well, the off-duty police dispatcher, Carol Heights, wasn't so lucky. She smacked Meehan head-on. Now, Heights survived. That's good news. She got out of the car wreckage, unharmed, on the road. And then she witnessed this blonde-haired woman emerge from the other car, got right out of it as if nothing had happened and simply walked up to her and stared at her as though she was looking right through her like she wasn't even there. Hyde said the woman didn't say a word, didn't speak, didn't do anything. She just stared. Bueller, who remained, pulled over on the shoulder of the road like we told you about. She was the one that dodged the crash. She said that she saw the blonde woman climb over a fence and stand there motionless just watching the scene she said and I quote I looked out across the accident and I noticed someone on the other side of the fence she was standing there like a spectator like like it didn't even happen to her well Bueller watched as the unidentified woman stood silently for what she described as several moments on the opposite side of the fence but let's keep in mind several moments after a traumatic event like this that can be just a couple of seconds and it can feel like an hour but anyways she stood there just looking like she wasn't even involved and then simply turned and walked into an open field and disappeared and nobody has seen or heard from her since. Well, of course, as it does happen, police got there to the scene, and the unidentified female driver of the other car was nowhere to be found. But within 30 minutes, her identity was revealed to be that of Patricia Meehan, which police determined after running the vehicle's license plate number through the Department of Motor Vehicles database. So, the investigation began. In their search, they immediately began right after the accident. They'd found a trail of tennis shoe tracks 
beginning in a desolate field about three quarters of a mile from the scene of the crash. Now, based on the size of the shoe impressions, the tracks were believed to be Mihans. Investigators followed the tracks until 3 a.m. on April 21st before finding that they eventually completely disappeared in the terrain. That search was suspended until the following morning. Well, dark weather. You, you get the idea. The Meehan family arrived in Montana just after their daughter's disappearance and put out over 2,000 missing person flyers throughout the area. Local volunteers looked all over the place. They surrounded the mountains and terrain near the side of the crash by both horse and ATV. No luck. Nothing. Abandoned coal mines in the area were searched. Nothing. No traces of Mihan were ever discovered. The site of the accident near Circle was about 400 miles from Mihan's home in Bozeman, and neither law enforcement or Mihan's family could explain any reason for her being in that area. Well, hell, she just went through a car crash and got out and looked right through the woman like she wasn't even there. It's safe to say that she might not have been fully comprehensional of what was going on in her life at the moment? Well, at first, cops theorized that Meehan fled the scene by hitchhiking or getting into the back of a hay truck that was parked about a half mile away from the site of the accident, but no sightings were reported to support either claim. Now, this is where I've got a problem with this. They followed her tracks for about about three miles, but yet this hay truck was a half mile, and, and they're saying that, you know, maybe she's there but yet her tracks were three miles away, if that makes any sense. It, 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 it does to me, but it doesn't. According to Mihan's mom, she had been experiencing depression at the time and had been visiting a psychologist whom she had made an appointment with for the morning of April 21st. Amidst her belongings, Mihan's family developed a roll of film in her camera. And this is where it gets... Oh, oh so creepy. She had taken a self-portrait in front of a mirror. Early on in the case, it was suspected that Mihan may have been suffering from amnesia, but that picture, that, that photo, it put chills on even investigators, and you know what these guys have seen. Well, guys and gals, but you know what these people have seen. The worst of the worst, and it put chills on them? Now, of course, there's been alleged sightings all over the place, over 5,000 of them, as a matter of fact. Sightings of a woman that resembled Mihan since her disappearance. On May 4, 1989, a police officer in Laverne, Minnesota, said that she saw Mihan sitting inside a Hardy's restaurant. She had been drinking water alone in a booth for over five hours until the restaurant's closing time, then walked to a nearby 24-hour diner. Well, the officer questioned her. The woman refused to give her name and claimed to be from Colorado, and then changed her story from that to that she was from Israel. Yeah, Israel. Slight difference between Colorado and Israel. Well, the following day, May 5th, two sightings of Mihan were reported. One was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where a waitress claimed that Mihan had sat inside of a truck stop drinking coffee from about 12 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Yeah. 11 and a half hours must be a hell of a cup of coffee. The same day, a waitress in another diner in Murdo, South Dakota, said that she saw Mihan between 10 and 11 p.m. in the company of a man who appeared to be in his 30s. Well, let's go forward a little bit more. 
It was on May 19, 1989, shortly after she disappeared. A waitress at a restaurant near Mihan's home in Bozeman said that she saw her there. According to the waitress, Mihan ordered and ate breakfast in, uh, well, quite a rush. And then mentioned that she had plans to go shopping at 9 o'clock that morning. Another waitress working the same morning also saw Mihan at the restaurant and reported that she appeared to be disoriented and talking to herself. The same week, another reported sighting happened at a horse auction in Billings, Montana. About two weeks after the fact, I guess it was, they said on May 30th, a woman that looked a whole lot like Mihan was seen by a passing truck driver on Interstate 90 in rural Washington State. The driver did offer her a ride and she turned it down. And the woman told another passing female motorist that her car had broken down and that she was going to find a phone. Another alleged sighting of Mihan was reported the following week in Tacoma, Washington, by a Port of Tacoma employee who claimed to have seen her at a truck stop on Interstate 5, asking strangers for directions to Aberdeen. By June of 1989, over 25 sightings of Mihan had been reported, three of which were confirmed by police. Other reported sightings of Mihan were received by law enforcement all over the Pacific Northwest. A lot of them, most of them as a matter of fact, were at truck stops between Montana and Seattle. Law enforcement thought that Mihan may have been in Washington State during this time. Because, well, she did have a sister that lived in Seattle. And her ex-boyfriend, Kurt Fletcher, lived in Spokane. It was August 30th, 1990, a transient woman was arrested by police in Cordalin, Idaho, for littering. The woman bore a strong resemblance to Mihan, and the arresting officer initially believed that it was her. On September 1st, the woman showed up in Kootenai Court, and she told the judge that she was a missionary traveling between Montana and Washington. Although the reported sightings made news in the Seattle Times, it was confirmed, though, through fingerprint analysis that this was, in fact, not Mihan. Uh, speaking to the media and law enforcement, Fletcher noted that there was a excruciatingly strong resemblance to this woman and to Mihan. They even had similar voices. Now, Mihan's case was also featured on NBC's Unsolved Mysteries, November 1st, 1989. And oddly enough, that would have been Mihan's 38th birthday. It was on episode six, season number two, if you'd like to watch that. So who was Patricia Meehan, though? What kind of a person was she? Had she had this kind of problem before? Well, before all of this bizarre disappearance, she lived a fairly normal life in Bozeman. Now, she had previously studied childhood development, like we told you, and abandoned that to go into work as a ranch hand, like we said. That's a big shift. Even her mother noted that sometime prior to her daughter's disappearance, she had seemed increasingly depressed, quiet, and detached. Now, her mom, Dolly Meehan, said that she supposed that Patricia was, well, taking in her own life and what she had accomplished and what she hoped to accomplish. And she said that she thought that she missed having children because she thought that she realized she really loved them. Not much is known about Meehan's life directly before the accident, but some people do theorize that she might have been trying to take her own life that night by driving on the wrong side of the road. So we go back to the theories part. You, at one point during this search, the Meehan's family actually brought in a helicopter to aid in their quest to find their daughter. That didn't do a bit of good. So what's their theories? Well, the most common thought behind what happened to Patricia Meehan 
is that on that night, she developed amnesia as a result of a traumatic brain injury. Because of the accident, of course. Well, it's a theory that does make sense. I mean, a lot of individuals who suffer from post-traumatic amnesia enter a state of confusion and disorientation, which this woman was appearing to be a victim of, according to the witnesses and the waitresses who allegedly saw her. But that probably happened immediately after the trauma, and they're usually unable to remember the events that happened immediately afterwards. But if she also developed retrograde amnesia, she may not have been able to remember her life before the accident, meaning she could have forgotten all about who she was and who her family was. And in addition to the fact that she was even in an accident at all, I mean, think about it. She got out of the car, walked over to the other victim, and stared right through her, walked away, crossed the fence, into a field, and is staring there like she was a spectator. Like she had just witnessed something horrible. Then turns and walks away, and nobody ever sees her again. Police also had the thought and wondered if Mihan had made her way to the area uh, by hiding in the hay truck like we told you, and they think that maybe she hitchhiked out of the area and somewhere through the Pacific Northwest. Now, since this time, there's been thousands of more sightings, too. Since Patricia Meehan disappeared, there's been over 5,000 alleged sightings of Meehan, and some have actually been confirmed by police. But still, her parents say that they have not heard a single word from their daughter since her disappearance in 1989, but they do hold on to hope that she is alive and well somewhere. Her father, Thomas, said that more than anything else in the world, I want her back with us. And we would just want to know that she's safe. Not knowing who she is and taking rides from people that she don't know, well, that's my biggest worry. I just pray day in and day out that she is with some good people somewhere who are trying and desperately attempting to take some kind of good care of her. If Patricia Meehan is still alive, she'd be 70 years old today or close to it. The average lifespan of a human being can be easily 70 years of age, but without a word or a trace since the late 80s and early 90s, one can't help that she met with something unfortunate somewhere along the path, wherever that path may have led her. So in all of this, here's my big question. Is it a case of amnesia, traumatic amnesia? Well, all signs point to yeah, probably. But then what happened to her along the way? Was it murder and rape? and Or was it just the fact that she went missing and never did recover her memory at all? My gut feeling tells me that it was the first part. That she met with some foul play along the way somewhere. And I hate to think that way, but given the way that society and many parts are today, one can't help but think that she met some sick, twisted, perverted bastard and, well, you can probably fill in the rest of the blanks for yourself. If you like the Mountain Mysteries and you'd like to support us, you can do that on Spotify, or you can also join us on Patreon. The Patreon club is now reopened and active as of the beginning of this episode, as we will be producing episodes each week. That will be airing Thursdays, Fridays, and Patreon subscribers always get them at least three or four days early. So make sure to like, join, and share the Mountain Mysteries, please. You have no idea how much we count on that. Oh yeah, and while you're at it, don't forget to shop the Mountain Mysteries at themountainmysteriespodcast.com. 
themountainmysteriespodcast.com. One more time, that's themountainmysteriespodcast.com. You'll find t-shirts, hoodies, and everything from dog leashes to beach towels and everything else all about the Mountain Mysteries. It's all right there on themountainmysteries.com. Please support us. For the Mountain Mysteries, I'm Chris Lohn. Until next time, stay mysterious. If you enjoy the Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support the Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.